in our adult Bible classes uh, this spring, we have been going through a series through the book of Proverbs, and our teachers have been teaching uh, some highlights from this book and different themes that are appropriate to each class and the ages that are there. And so we've been going through different uh, uh, subject matters. And so I want to just continue with an additional thought this morning from Proverbs and the value of wisdom in our lives. And so we'll begin our reading today in Proverbs 3, verse 13. And the Bible says, happy. That's a great way to start a text, isn't it? Just happy. And that could just make you smile today. And it's okay to smile in church, all right? You don't have to look so sober. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm going to pray and then have you be seated, but I want to ask you to hold your Bible open to that passage of Scripture this morning, because as we go through this passage, I want to highlight some words here and some things and give us some instruction from God's Word that I hope will be a help to us today. And so I want you to have the ability to look back at this text, because it's so important, and it will help us, as the sermon title is this morning, to have a better life. All of us here today can do just that. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for today and the music that we've both heard and participated in. Lord, the ability and the freedom to have the finances to give back to you and worship you through our giving today. Lord, thank you for your word. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to find application and help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is wisdom? And that's not a trick question. It's a little hard to answer. Uh, the book of Proverbs, the entire book, seeks to answer that question for us. The Old Testament word for wisdom, the very first time that we read about it, it was used as the word chokmah. It's the Hebrew word there. It was used to describe the work of the weavers and those who wove the elaborate garments for Aaron, the high priest. The high priest typified in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate high priest. And as, as Jesse said this morning, one day he's going to be crowned the king. And we will worship him. And as the choir is saying, we'll bow down um, before him. And what a wonderful reminder of that today. But these weavers were to take God's instruction that he gave to them about these garments, and they were to follow with careful detail the instructions given to them. And so, don't turn there, but in Exodus chapter 28, verse 3, we, we read this, and God speaking to Moses, and he says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled, and then here's this word, with the spirit of wisdom, hakma, with these men. And that's the first time we really read about this specific word. He says, I have filled these men. I have given to them wisdom. And this is the application of wisdom. That they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And for the next 40 some odd verses, God gives exact instructions for that high priest's garments and for the garments of the other priests. Now this wasn't just the temple. God had a lot more details and plans for that. But this is where we read about this word wisdom. 
And God is saying, I want you to make these garments and I have a specific plan and I have a specific set of instructions for these men. And I have filled them with wisdom and the ability and the skills to make these garments according to specification. Now, if God has specification and he has instruction for a priest's garments, and that means something to him, how many of us know this morning that God has instruction and specific application for our lives too? And the Israelites and the Hebrews, they understood this. They knew that. They knew that what God was saying here, it was a picture. It typified life for them. And they recognized that God didn't just have a plan and instruction for garments. God had a plan and God has instruction for living life. Specific instructions and specific plans. And so the Israelites then equated wisdom with a skill for living life according to God's instruction that he's given to us. And so the wise person, the one whom God has filled with wisdom, looks at his instruction for life, not necessarily for making their garments, but for how they spend their money. Because he gives us instruction. And Proverbs is full of ways that we are to spend our money. He gives us instruction for our relationships and for our goals. And the wise person is the one who applies himself to learning the skills necessary and following the plan. And the construct of wisdom fills us with hope. Why? Because wisdom calls to us and it invites us to have a better life. No matter where you're at today, no matter what's going on in your world, wisdom says wherever you're at in your finances, wherever you're at in your health, wherever you're at in your job, wherever you're at in your relationships and in your family and in this church family, it can be better. More wisdom always improves. More wisdom makes things better. And it's not just better life today. It's better life someday too. See, eternal life doesn't just start the day you die. It's already started. If you've asked Jesus Christ to save you, if you asked him to come into your heart to save you from your sin, the Bible says in that moment that Jesus saves you and forgives you of your sin. He makes a way to heaven through his sacrifice on the cross and faith and believe in Jesus. In that moment, we're saved and eternity begins. And there is this direct connection between this life and the one to come. And the decisions you make today will benefit you today. The wisdom you apply to your life, it'll help you now and it's going to help you later. C.S. Lewis once wrote an essay entitled Transposition. And in that essay, he talked about the existence or the continuity of the existence between this world and the next. And he used the analogy of walking into his tool shed. And it was a dark tool shed and there was a window there and this beam of light was shining in through his tool shed. And I used to have a shed just like that. And he said he walked into the shed and he looked at the particles of dust that were in the light beam. And he was just staring at them. But then he stopped looking at the particles of dust and he looked not just at the light beam, but he looked along the light beam. And as he looked along the light beam and out the window, he saw a tree. And then beyond the tree, 93 million miles away, the sun. See, there is this continuity 
that connects us to eternity in this life. And the decisions that we make today, the, the particles of dust, don't just look at those, look along those and see that the decisions we make today, they impact eternity and there is this connection between the two. See, wisdom gives us the best life now and it guides us to improve our life that is coming. Proverbs is the best success and self-help book you will ever read. You can get on Amazon and look at the bestsellers list and there's some good ones out there and you should read them, you'll benefit from them. But you can't do better than Proverbs. It's, it's a source of wisdom and how to be wise. Too many Christians, they have too much debt and they can't be generous. And, and, and Ben stands up here today and he points to these pictures on the screen and we look at that stuff and we go, oh yeah, all that stuff I spent my money on is going to end up there someday. But we forget that. And then we're asked to give our tithes and offerings and obey the Lord and we cringe because we can't. We're in too much debt. And, and, and Proverbs will teach you how to get out of debt. It'll, it'll teach you how to be generous with your money and your finances and how to be wise and to increase those things. Too many Christians are bound with the chains of repetitive sins. We get moody so easily and lustful and angry at the drop of a hat. We struggle with greed and laziness, bitterness and wasted time. Proverbs addresses all these things. It teaches you how to be shrewd, how to work, how to save, how to forgive. Proverbs teaches us how to have greater financial security, greater level of success in our careers, greater relationships with family and friends, more and better dreams realized. But you can't have those things unless you're pursuing wisdom. More wisdom, a better life. And its absence leads us away from the better life that so many of us desire. See, as we read in the text this morning, those who pursue wisdom, they find happiness. It says, happy is the man that finds wisdom. Verse 18, happy is everyone that retains wisdom. So let me ask you this question today. What would cause you to be happy? For some of you today, you're sitting there, kind of got a scowl on your face. If I said, hey, you know, what could I do what could the world do? What could the people around you do to actually turn that frown into, into, into happiness and make it smile? What would cause you satisfaction? Have you ever asked a child what they want for dinner? Usually it's not the foods that are best for them. Um, a lot of children would say something like, well, why do we have to have dinner? Like, can we just have dessert, right? And, 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 and let's, just, let's just have ice cream and fudge and sprinkles on top. See, in our own wisdom, maybe you and I would answer the question, what would make us happy in a similar fashion? Because we might say, well, lots of money would make me happy. A perfect body. No relationship problems. Everybody to like me. The perfect job. I mean, we, we could give all those answers. But those are childish responses. <laughs> and they lack understanding, and they lack a view of eternity. See, what is actually going to make you happy, the Bible says, is wisdom. That's the answer. What would make you happy? Wisdom. It's what you need more of. Wisdom produces in our lives the happiness that nothing else can produce. 
The text this morning says in verse 14, and I want you as we go along this list of things as I break this down, I want you to look there with me. Verse 14, it says, wisdom is better than silver and gold. Silver and gold can do a lot for you. Um, I wouldn't mind more silver and gold, you know. It could do a lot for us. Today, that would be equated to maybe dollars in the bank. The author, Solomon, had an unlimited supply of both silver and gold. He had the world's riches and wealth. But from experience, he is saying, this isn't what you really want. Wisdom is so much better than the money you think you want than that better job, than that pay raise, than that big bank account, than that retirement plan, wisdom's better than all of it. What will make you happy isn't that money. What will make you happy is wisdom. Verse 15, he says, she is more precious than rubies. The idea here is precious stones. Maybe we would say like diamonds or some type of jewelry, or maybe others would say brand clothes, cars, toys, vacations. Rubies just represent to me the extra in life. Those fun things, beyond the necessities, things that we would, we would desire, all that glitters and that captures our attention, that we think about, that we think would make us happy, the things we're, you know, harding on social media or, or looking at websites for long periods of time and doing research on. And wisdom is more precious than all of those things. Verse 15, he says, all things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Whatever it is you think you want, he's saying what you really want and you may not even know how to answer the question, but what you really need and what would really make you happy, he says, all those things, it's wisdom. That's the thing to pursue. Verse 16, he says, length of days is in her right hand. The right hand in the Bible is often it's symbolic of power and strength. And the idea here is good health and a long life. You could always get more money and stuff, but you can't get more time. Time's your most valuable asset. And wisdom preserves your life. And it helps you so that you're not wasting it and that you're using it thoughtfully. He says, and in her left hand, in her right hand is, is, is time and, and, and good health and, and, strong, and strength. And her, her left hand is riches and honor. It's not a promise to become a billionaire, but there's a promise here that you'll have more than you have. You'll have honor and dignity and respect and reverence and a good reputation. Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness. The idea is delight. Do you see some of the children last Sunday evening with their little, you know, lightsabers and um, Bill Dawson with his headband, right? Delights. I mean, <laughs> it's just delight for, for Bill, not the rest of us looking at him, but it was, it was delight. Verse 17, in all her paths are peace. The idea here is emotional control, freedom from agitation, a calmness. In the midst of chaos, you look within and wisdom gives you a center for your emotions. Peace within and, and peace with others. Verse 18, she is a tree of life. The idea is originating from Genesis chapter 3, where there was this tree that produced life. And wisdom inspires behavior inside of you that are life-giving. You, you benefit from it. And so does everyone in your sphere of influence. They benefit from the life that you give, that wisdom gives to you. Wisdom allows you to be a source of good and life and health to other people. So how does wise living happen? How do we tap into these benefits? 
What are the specific instructions here? In Exodus, the Lord said, Moses, I want you to take these garments and, and I want these men with wisdom and skills that they pursue and they, they learn. I want them to follow these instructions. And I'm going to tell you, God has instructions for you too. And he says, I want you to follow these things. And his word is full of them. But in the text this morning, there are a few very specific ones. You can't order wisdom on Amazon. It doesn't come with two-day or even one-day shipping. You can't go to church and get wisdom through osmosis just by being here. In, in fact, it's not just enough to get saved and trust Christ and have wisdom. It's not like I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. That secures your eternal destination. It doesn't just plop a bunch of wisdom in your lap. That's not how we get it. In fact, Jesus taught us that oftentimes the world can be wiser than those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So how do we get it? Well, it's attained through pursuit. So verse 13, look there with me. Happy is the man that what? Finds wisdom. Means you have to search for it. Searching isn't easy. It's work. Valuable things have to be found. That would be true of diamonds. That would be true of gold. Uh, that would be true of oil or any resource that we might value. It's also true of mathematic equations. You can ask Sophia about that today. It takes a lot of effort. You have to find the answer. Be true of riddles. It would be true of perplexing life problems. It would be true in our relationships with one another, with our spouse or family, with, with each other here this morning. It, it has to be found. It's not just laying on the surface. You don't just get it for, for cheap. They have to be mined for. Wisdom has to be dug for. Extreme efforts have to be gone to, to get it. And wisdom says, I wait to be found. Come and get me. Come find me. But you're going to have to look. You're going to have to search. You're going to have to put in some effort here to make a better life. It has to be found, verse 13. He says, the man that finds it. And then he says, and the man that gets understanding. You go to work, most of you tomorrow, and you get a paycheck. It's what you get. Because you put in the work. You put in the effort. And that's what he's saying. You've got to work for it. And you, then you, when you work for wisdom, she comes to you. She'll pay you back. It's something you earn and you give time for. Verse 14 says, for the merchandise of it is better. The idea here of merchandise is that there are some things in life you have to make a hard decision to trade for. And you can't have both simultaneously. You can't spend your time however you want and have wisdom. You can't spend your time on your phone however you want to or, 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 or your leisure time and your spare time and just do whatever you want with that and then have the benefit of wisdom in your life. It doesn't work like that. It's merchandise. Wisdom is merchandise. And you have to trade some things for it. You're going to have to make some investment here. You can't spend your money however you want and have wisdom. You can't let your emotions do whatever you want them to do. And let your brain think whatever your brain wants to think and do whatever you want to do, you're going to have to make an exchange. And these things aren't evil. We're not talking about sin here. 
We're not talking about, uh, uh, about, about our time and our, and our emotions and our money and, and saying what we want to say and treating people the way we want to treat them. Those aren't all things that are just necessarily sins. But they're not wise. And wisdom says, I've got some merchandise for you. But you're going to have to check yourself. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to search for it. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to get it. You're going to have to make some trade, some investment here. You have to choose between the two. Wisdom has to be bought. It's not free. They're not handed out on the street corner. And Quick Trip's not mailing you coupons in the mail for it. You have to get it. You have to take your time and your discipline and your effort and your sweat and your pain and you exchange those things. And what do you get in return? Well, you get wisdom. And what does wisdom do for you? Gives you a better life. Gives you better relationships. Gives you better financial peace. See, verse 15 says, she's a tree of life. Again, to them that lay hold upon her, to seize upon, to grab it with earnest. If you were to grab something that was heavy, you would have to, in order to pick it up, you'd have to seize upon it. You would have to lift it. There are some guys in the gym, and and ladies too, and they do a exercise called a skull crusher. And some of you may know what that is. For those of us that may not, um, you lay flat on a bench, And typically you take a a curved bar and you'll put some weights on the end of it. It's usually a smaller bar, not like a full, like a full bar, uh, barbell, but it's like a smaller bar. And uh, you take that bar and you put weights on the end and you lay flat on a bench. And and, and what you do is you, you, you tuck your arms in and you'll, you'll start here right above your forehead and you lift up and you come back down and you lift up and you come back down. It's called a skull crusher. So I was attempting this uh, one day in the gym recently. And there's a reason it's called Skull Crusher. <laughs> and so I'm doing this exercise, and I had probably put more weight on there than was wise. And I'm exerting myself, and this lady is just watching me. And she was an older lady, and she had a, a little walker, and she's kind of like getting closer and closer to me. And out of the corner of my eye, I, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to stop because I don't know what's going on here. So I stop, and she says, son, I am so concerned about you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I'm concerned about myself as well. And she says, I am just afraid you're going to get hurt. What are you doing? And I said, well, um, it's called a skull crusher. And she does this, you know, like, you idiot. And then she says to me, I, I, I told her, I said, I have, I have a firm gri- grip on it. I'll be okay. And she says, but what if you let go? And that's a good question, isn't it? What if you let go? So verse 18 says this. Happy is everyone. Now, I want you to pay attention to this thing. This is where I'm going. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. Lay hold on her. Grip it, grab it, hold tight. And then he says this, don't just get it. You found it, you worked for it, you've got some wisdom, your parents have talked to you, your teachers have taught you, life has taught you, hard times have taught you, your pastors taught you, your Bible readings taught you, the books you've read have helped you. And, And now he says, Happy are those who retain it, lay hold on it, 
and don't let go. Well, what if you do let go? Skull crusher. <laughs> it's a skull crusher. That's what happens. And for many of us, this is where we falter the most. Once you get it, is no guarantee you keep it. And that's why wise people can do some really, really foolish things and act in really foolish ways. A, a long life lived wisely can end in such regrettable ways. Why? Because wisdom wasn't retained. A man or a woman who has lived wisely all of a sudden as they age, they become really unkind and crotchety and mean-spirited and lacking in a generous spirit. They won't serve or help. And it's not just those who are elder. It's, it's many of us. We've been raised in good homes. We've been given a good church. And we still won't serve. And we still won't help. And we still come to church with this attitude like, all right, feed me, and I'm out the door. See ya. We still come in with this type of spirit and heart. And they're anything but a tree of life to those around them. They're a tree of dryness. And they just take. Why? Did they not have instruction? Did you not have wisdom given to you? Here's the, here's the men who were supposed to sew Aaron's garments and, and they get 90% they get of the way done and the last 10% they just walk away. Is that good enough? And it's not. And God said, I've given you instruction. Lay hold of it and retain it. Don't let it go. Solomon wrote the book on wisdom. And it was Solomon who in the end of his life did not retain all of the wisdom that he had. And he ruined his life and he ruined the nation. Here was a man who was supposed to be a tree of life. And instead, through his roots, poison was spread into the lives of those around him. And because of his position, he impacted thousands of people and all of history. What's the key to retaining wisdom? How do we keep it? How do we, how do we lay hold of it and don't let go? Well, I didn't read the whole text today. So I want you to look back at verse 11 with me. Right before we get to happy. Happy is the man that gets it, finds it. Happy is the man that retains it. We read these two verses. Verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, and neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. What's the key to retaining wisdom and being happy and keeping it? Well, being open to correction. And he's saying this, correction is not just for children. It's for us all. We all, from time to time, need the correction that comes from the Lord. There are times when God disciplines us, and many scriptures attest to that. Job talked about that, chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 12, where you read about hardship and suffering that the Lord allows in order to uh, line us back up, 
it's punishment, it's discipline. But this instance isn't about discipline. This isn't about enforced pain. This is simply this, guidance and correction. Correction is an important part of positive instruction. A week or two ago, I took my son Ethan fishing, and Ethan's eight years old. And um, I have two sons. They both love to fish. Um, I take them fishing, and I, and I don't fish. And so I come home all frustrated. You know, Elizabeth's like, how'd it go? Well, I, un- you know, I just untangled things the whole time. This is all I did, you know, for, for two straight hours. And so I've been teaching Ethan, Ethan, I want you to learn how to tie a fishing knot. So we've been working on the improved clinch knot. And so many of you, that would just be a basic fishing knot, just trying to get the basics down. And so he's been working on that. And, and so we go fishing. So he's like, Dad, he's fishing a bait the other day. And he says, I, I'm not catching anything. I want to change my bait. I say, tie the knot that we've been working on. I started him with rope, and we watched some YouTube videos together. And, and so he's got this thing down, and I've watched him with fishing lines. He's, he got it. So he's changing that. Well, he, he says, well, I want to try the whopper plopper. Now, those of you that aren't fishermen, um, those, of, those of you that are will understand, that's one of the more expensive lures. So in my tackle box, it's the most expensive lure. It's a $15 lure. And that may not sound like a lot of money, but you can go through a lot of lures really fast in fishing. And so I said, okay, bud, just be careful. Don't get tangled up, you know. So he gets out the whopper plopper. And so he's over there, I don't know, a good 10 minutes tying this knot. <laughs> so he kind of gets it on there. And man, he rears back and he flings that thing out there. And the whopper plopper continued to fly past his fishing line. <laughs> and we're just watching it go. And he just kind of looks over at me. <laughs> so I don't think I tied the knot right, Dad. I was like, I don't think you did either, bud. And I said, so let's look at it. So we looked at it together. He tied another knot. I said, okay, we got it. So then he's fishing whatever lure we'd put on there together. And then a few minutes go by. He says, Dad, I'm not catching any fish. I want to change out to a, to a spinnerbait. I said, okay, well, he grabbed my most expensive spinnerbait. It was like a $12 lure. I wasn't really paying attention to that. And so he ties that thing on there and gets it, shoom, flings it out there. And the spinnerbait just kept on going, you know. And I'm looking at him. That's 25 bucks plus of lures in the pond. He needed some more correction. This isn't, I'm not going to discipline him. He's not in trouble. Say, hey, bud. Let me correct the way you're tying the fishing knot. Don't do it that way. Oh, you forgot to put it through this loop. Let's do it this way. Let's make sure that we follow the instructions. Let's make sure that we get this right. Now listen, one of my sons, and those of you that know my sons will know which one, when he was little, he had this terrible habit of you trying to feed him, and he'd say, no, no, I'd do it. And you say, you say, you want to look at your phone? He say, here's the phone. I'm going to hold it. No, no, I hold it, Dada. No, I do it, Mama. I want to do everything. And we're like that sometimes with the Lord. Now, look, if my son isn't open to correction, he'll never be able to catch a fish because the entire tackle box will be in the lake. <laughs> and if we aren't open to correction, you're going to forfeit so much good in life. You're going to forfeit wisdom, and as a consequence of that, you're going to forfeit blessing. And when you forfeit those ble- the blessings of God, you're going to forfeit personal happiness and joy. See, we have this tendency to be self-reliant, and we resist correction. Maybe some of the more popular verses out of chapter 3 would be verses 5 and 7. Look there with me. And, and, and these are so rich and deserve their own message, but... 
Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then he says this, and don't lean to your own understanding. Because that's what we do. We have our understanding. We have our way of tying the knot. We have our way of doing life. We have our filter and our perspective. And, 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 and wisdom says, don't do that. No, that's not good. No matter how old you are, no matter how much you know, you need to keep an open heart because your understanding of things isn't always accurate. And there'll be some things you come to in understanding, but it's only when your understanding is firmly rooted in God's Word. Well, there you go. Now, now you're okay and you're safe. But don't ever think that you've got it all figured out because you don't. And keep your heart, mind open and your heart soft. If you're 12, if you're 82, if you're past that, keep your heart soft and open. He says this, in all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll make your path straight. And the idea of the path is in, in, in Bible times and in Israel, everything's hilly and, and the paths are dangerous. And it's this idea that He'll keep the way you're going safe. He'll protect you. And then He says this in verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't be so self-reliant. You will never have all the answers you're never too old to be corrected. You're never too old to learn something. We are all on this path together. Don't be so close-minded that you think you have everything figured out in politics and in relationships and in your family and how a church should be run and education and work and the world. Don't be so self-reliant on your understanding. Rely on His. You need wisdom. And it has a source. We need continued correction. It doesn't matter our age or life stage. Son, that's not how you treat people. That's not how you talk to them. You talk to them this way. That's not the best use of your time. You spend your time this way instead. That's not how you should be spending your money. Your attitude's not right. That's not the right perspective. That's not the right priority. I'm telling you, you need correction. You need it. We all do. And it comes from all sorts of places. It comes from God's Word. It's why we need to be buried in it every single day. We need the Word of God. There are many that read a proverb every day or, or maybe a verse or two of Proverbs every day, and there's so much value in that. you got to dig for it. It's not just, wisdom's not just laying on the ground. It is the way to a better life, but you don't get it for free. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to exchange some time in the morning, some sleep or other things to get to it. You have to work for it. You have to think about and ruminate on the scriptures you read. Correction comes from preaching and teaching. When God speaks to your heart about something, be open. Yes, Lord, I need to fix that. Yes, God, I'm going to respond. Yes, I'm going to get the help I need. You're going to get correction from friends. You're going to get it from family. Correction comes even through your children. See, I can correct Ethan on a fishing knot. But there have been moments already in his young life that he's come to me in a quiet voice and told him, told me, that my tone 
hurt his feelings, or that I was too harsh on him, or that I wasn't treating his mama right. Look, we all need it, and we need to be open to correction. That's how you retain it. Get wisdom. Go find it. Search for it and never stop. Lay hold on it and retain it. Don't let it go. Look, you can have a better life, but you're not going to have it unless you're pursuing wisdom and retaining it. And in order to retain it, you are going to have to live a life that is consistently open to correction. So read God's Word every day. Ask God for help in all things. James said, if you don't have enough wisdom, come to Him. He'll bestow it on you. He's the author of it. He gives it out. But you're going to have to ask for it. Seek wisdom from others. Be patient in your life. Let God develop the circumstances of your world. Follow the instructions you're given. And live with humility and the ability to be corrected from humble sources. You can't have a better life. But you're going to have to find wisdom. And then you're going to have to retain it. The best way to make your life better is in its pursuit.